will, you find out who they are, what makes them tick, what makes them happy, what makes them smile, okay? The life of a person who's filled with the Spirit of God is the person who says, Jesus, I want my life to make you happy. I want my life to make you smile. And so tonight we're going to talk about living a life as a Spirit-filled believer. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. He said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be, what's that word? In you. So at the moment you become a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Now in the Old Testament, which is the first half of the Bible, the Holy Spirit would come on people and anoint people or gift people to do things miraculous like a guy named Moses in the Old Testament, in case you never heard this story, has a million people behind him. They're being chased by the people of Egypt with like knives and stuff and they're going to kill them and Moses is leading the children of Israel and they get to this sea and Moses raises a staff and the Red Sea splits, okay? The power of God came on Moses and Moses did the miraculous. In the New Testament, which is the new part of the Bible, when you become a Christ follower, the Bible says that the Spirit doesn't just come on you in moments, but the Spirit comes and dwells in you. He lives in you. Where you go, He goes. Where you, where, what you say, He hears. He is with you all the time. Um, the Holy Spirit, if we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we need to know that He is a He and not an It. All right, the Holy Spirit's not in it. You don't be like, oh, well, it, it, it's really in here tonight. The Holy Spirit, or he's not an it. He's a he. The Bible says the Holy Spirit has a will. The Bible says the Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Bible, the Bible speaks about the Holy Spirit having emotion. The Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit feeling grieved in moments when, when people do things that, that are contrary to his will. And so it's a, the, Bible, the Bible speaks that the Holy Spirit is a he and not an it. Everybody say he. he. So Jesus is with the disciples, and he, and he is going to die on the cross, and he's going to raise from the dead, and he's going to ascend to heaven. And here's what he tells them. John chapter 16, verse 7. He said, but it is actually best for you, this is Jesus saying this, that I go away. Because if I don't, the counselor won't come. If I do go away, he will come because I will send him to you. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to ascend to heaven. I die, I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going, to, I'm going to kick death in the teeth and pin it like an MMA wrestler and make death tap out. And after I'm done whooping up on death, then I'm going to ascend, which means rise. I'm going to ascend to heaven, and then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. So here's what that says to all of us before we get into like, who's the Holy Ghost, okay? Here's what that says to all of us. What that says to you and me is that you just don't need one more church service. It says to me that you don't need one more song or one more sermon. It says to me that you don't need one more event or one more small group or one more camp or one more conference or one more thing. What it says to me is that what we need as Christ followers is an encounter with the Holy Spirit. That the will of God is that we know the person of the Holy Spirit, that we encounter him, that it's more than a song when we're singing on Sunday night, that it's more than a church service when we're sitting in chairs in, in youth group or on Sunday morning in a church somewhere, that we're here to know him and pursue him, and he's real and evident, and we feel him and can see him and almost can smell him because it's Jesus' desire 
that you know the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's desire to make you like Jesus. So here's the deal. I just got to tell you right off the bat, I could not. I've been a Christian now for 13 years. I didn't go to church growing up. I, I, I didn't know all the right answers. I didn't have all the scripture memorized. I didn't know Bible stories. Here's what I know 13 years later. I could not live for Jesus in my own power. There's no way. I could not do what's right according to God. I could not please God with my life in my own strength. I'll fail every time. I'll end up feeling guilty. I'll end up feeling beat down. I'll end up feeling like I'm not good enough. I'll end up feeling just defeated. If I try in my own strength to live a life for Jesus, I'm going to be defeated every time. So why would anyone not live a spirit-filled life? Knowing that it's God's spirit that empowers you to live for Jesus and that it's God's will that you be like Jesus. That what makes God happy? Think about that girl, you know? You think about the girl or the guy that you're with or that you started dating and you want to know what makes them happy and so you go to the restaurant that, you know, you really don't like, you know, but she likes it and she's like, hey, why don't we go to Mexican? And you hate Mexican and she's like, do you like Mexican? You're like, I love Mexican, baby. And you go because she likes it and she wants it and it's God's will that you have that same desire to please him. And so knowing that that's what makes God happy for you to live like Jesus and that it's only by the Spirit's power that you can do that. Why would anybody in the world ever choose to live a spirit-less life? There are two reasons. Number one, because some aren't aware of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say aren't aware. Which is another word for just... People just don't know that there is a Holy Spirit. They just don't know. They think, you know, Jesus died on the cross. God's got the beard. The angels are playing the little heart beside him going, holy. Um, but there's nothing else. There's just, just nothing else. That's all there is to God. There's the Swedish Jesus stroking the lamb on the, the picture. And then there's God up in heaven ready with a gavel to call me guilty if I mess up, you know. I'm watching you. You know, like, that's all there is to this whole relationship with God. But there's this Holy Spirit that God wants to live in you, to empower you, and to equip you, and to give you strength to do His will. There's a passage in the Bible in Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 3, and it says this. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you first believed? They answered, no entiendo, senor. No, um, that means I don't understand. Anyways, no, they said, no, we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So these people were disciples. These people who, were people that knew Jesus died, that he rose from the grave. And Paul goes to him and said, hey, listen, the next step is that you receive the Holy Spirit. The next step is that you live a spirit-filled life, a spirit-led life. And they're like, what is this spirit that you are speaking of? They had no idea what he was talking about. They had no clue that there's the Holy Spirit that wants to come live in you and empower you and give you strength over the things that keep beating you down day after day after day. That, that you feel hopeless and helpless at times in life that you don't know how, what God's will is for your life and you don't know what the next steps are when, when you don't know what's wrong or what's right. That there's this Holy Spirit that wants to empower you to be like Jesus. They had no idea. They just weren't aware. It's kind of like growing up. When you grow up, when you're a baby, anything will entertain you. Anything at all will make you happy. Anything at all is good enough for you to have a good time and be satisfied. Kind of like this baby right here. 
Yeah, give it up for Micah, the laughing baby. <laughs> so Micah's like, ah, this is so entertaining. This is so great. This is all there is to life. Daddy, just please rip the paper one more time and my life will be complete. He's so caught up in that moment and so entertained in that moment because Micah hasn't discovered Nintendo yet. Micah hasn't discovered Hot Wheels yet. Micah hasn't discovered PlayStation Portable or Sega or any of those things. Michael hasn't discovered girls yet. Oh, but one day he will. One day Michael will understand that there's so much more to life than just... <laughs> He'll get it. Some point in his life, he'll realize that there's more that he's missing out on. And this will never be enough again. Ever, ever, ever be enough again to, to satisfy him at all, even for a moment. Same is true for the Christian who doesn't live a spirit-filled life. Who just kind of shows up and does the church thing. And, and you know what? I'm going to come and sing about Jesus on Sunday. And I'm going to pray every once in a while over my food. And yeah, I'm entertained by the simple things. And yeah, I'm entertained by having a, 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 a mediocre, sometime average, you know, just little, small, uh, not, not very, doesn't take a lot, walk with God. But, but see, here's the deal. God wants to know you. And God wants you to know him. And God wants to be present in your life. God doesn't want to just be present on Sunday night in church. The Holy Spirit came and dwelt in them. The Holy Spirit came and moved around them to show them that God wants to be a part of every moment of their life, not just segmented pieces. He didn't want it to be just in the temple or just on Sunday. He wanted to invade their life. There was so much more than just momentary pieces of touching God. The Holy Spirit came so that you and I could access Jesus at any moment, anywhere, any place. The Holy Spirit came so so your room could be holy just like this place is. 
The Holy Spirit came so that your locker could be holy just like this place. The Holy Spirit came so that your workplace or your car, when you're sitting at the red light and you're just like, Jesus, I love you. Gosh, it's awesome how amazing you are. When it, he came so that it wouldn't be limited to infantile moments of just serving God for an hour or two. He came to consume you. The Bible says that our God is a consuming fire. He consumes us when we let him. And so they weren't even aware that there was so much more to the, their walk with God. And God wanted them to experience every bit that he had to offer them. It's kind of like sitting in first class. You have no idea the joy of sitting in first class until you've been there. You have no idea what it's like to get hot towels. You have no idea what it's like to get as many sodas and candy bars and watch ESPN on the table and lay back into a bed. You have no idea how awesome that is until you've experienced it. But like for most of my life, I flew in the back of the plane, you know, and people like look at you like you're like, the scum of the earth and you're poor and you walk past them and they're in the comfy chairs and they're, and, and they're looking at you and, and they're like, you're, you're cheap, man. You're poor. You must be a failure at life. Going back to the back there, bucko, where you belong. But then the moment I sat in first class and I got those free candy bars and I got the ESP and the magazine and my, my chair laid out into a bed, I'm like, there's so much more that I've been missing out on. The same is true for the life of the believer that doesn't doesn't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't live a spirit-filled life, a spirit-led life. And most of the time, it's because we're just not aware that there's so much more of God than a Sunday night encounter or an every once in a while prayer. He wants to have all of you. The next thing is some live a spirit-less life because they resist the Holy Spirit. This is some pretty strong Bible right here, but check this out in Acts chapter 7, verse 51. It says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and he ears, you are just like your father. Your mom ever said that to you? Um, you always resist the Holy Spirit. And so some people don't live a spirit-filled life because they just resist, you know? It's just like, I don't want anything to do with that because I've been told those people are weird in their cult. I don't want anything to do with this spirit-led life because it's weird to kind of like give up everything for Jesus. It's weird to, you know, just say, God, you have complete access to my life. Tell me what you want me to do. Tell me where you want me to go. God, I'll leave everything for you. Jesus, I'll move to Africa and be a missionary if you want me to. God, I'll break up with your, her if you lead me to if it's not right. Jesus, I won't eat for a few days if you call me to. God, I'll read my Bible every day for the next week for an hour if you ask me to. Jesus, if you tell me to put that music down, I'll do it. God, if you tell me not to write, to, to watch those movies, God, I, I'll stop. And it's not about being legalistic. It's just saying, you know what? God, I won't resist you any, in anything you ask me to do. And so some live a spirit-less life because they, they look at the Holy Spirit like this. Like, keep, keep that fanaticism away from me. Keep the whole being wrapped. I got enough of Jesus on Sunday to satisfy me. Keep, keep the being radical, changing the world, going to the ends of the earth with the gospel, giving up everything for Jesus. Keep that kind of, of life away from me. I, I'm, I'm happy and I'm fine with a little dab, like a little dab will do me type deal. But, but God wants so much more for us. He wants so much more. For, so what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit does three things. Everybody say three things. Number one, the Holy Spirit will comfort you. Do you know that? 
Did you know that the Holy Spirit, check this out. John chapter 14, verse 16 says this. It says, I'll pray to the Father and he'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. The Holy Spirit sees potential in you and other people see brokenness in you. Do you know that? The Holy Spirit sees what's possible in you when other people see what's wrong with you. The Holy Spirit sees reasons why you should change the world and why you are a blessing and why people should live, love you when other people see reasons why that nothing's going to come out of your life. The Holy Spirit will comfort you. The Holy Spirit will come alongside you when life seems like it's a mess and a wreck. The Holy Spirit will come alongside you when other people are breaking your heart. God will mend your heart. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, will comfort you when you don't understand why things happen happen the way they happen. The Bible says if you call on the Holy Spirit, he'll comfort you. The, the, the word in the Greek language is the word parakletos. Everybody say parakletos. Not parakletos. Not Polly want a cracker, but parakletos. It literally means one who comes alongside you. It literally means somebody who goes where you go. And so Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come as a comforter. So it's kind of like this. Uh, come on up, man. Come on up. Come on up. Yeah, you. Come on up. Yeah, come on up. I, I want you to just go where I go, okay? Right, wherever I go. All right, so it's kind of like this. You get up in the morning and you walk to school. Well, you don't walk to school. You ride the bus or you drive your car and you're scared because you got a test and you really, like, have no idea what's going to happen. And you show up in class and the Holy Spirit comforts you. He's right there. He never leaves you. He's with you the whole time. You, you still there, Holy Spirit? You're not walking with me. You're walking beside me. No, walk with me, okay? Right, right with me. Okay, like this. Yeah, there you go. Don't touch me, okay? That's weird. Dude, seriously, find a girlfriend. Okay, um, so the Bible says he'll comfort you. You, 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 walk, you, walk, you walk into your home life, and sometimes it's a wreck. Parents fight, and it's crazy, and you don't always understand what's going on. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will be right there in your room with you, comforting you. If you just ask him to. Your boyfriend breaks up with you and devastates you and crushes your heart. The Bible says, Holy Spirit will comfort you. He'll be right there. He'll follow you. He'll come alongside you. You're going and, and, and you're filling out college applications. And you're scared to death because you don't think you got what it takes. You can't cut it. And you're thinking all these thoughts about yourself. And you're feeling horrible about yourself. And your, your faith is weak. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is there with you. That he comforts you. That he comes alongside of you. All you got to do is ask. So the first thing the Holy Spirit wants to do is the Holy Spirit wants to comfort you. You, you haven't been given permission to leave me, Holy Spirit. Come on, man. No, I'm just playing. You can go sit down. No, really, come on up. No, you can sit down. Okay. So the Holy Spirit will comfort you. Number two, the Holy Spirit will counsel you. Everybody say counsel. John chapter 16, verse 13 says this. It says, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all truth. I was a football player in high school, and for, for a season, I played quarterback, and I needed to know what was going on. I needed to know what was the next play, and I, I would, they have a thing in football, for those of you who don't know, called a huddle. And so you go in between plays, and you get all the guys together, and you like lean in like this, you know, and you're in like a circle, you know, and you're all like breathing all over each other and sweating all over each other. It is the nastiest place ever to be in the history of the world. Um... But you're all leaning in, and as the quarterback, here was my role, okay? The guys are looking to me to tell them what's next to do. What I would do is I would say, come on in, guys, come on in, come on in, come on in. And then I would stand up and look to the sidelines, and my coach would go, like that. 
And that told me, hand the ball to the big guy and let him run. <laughs> the, whole, the, 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 the coach would call the plays in from the sideline. Did you know the same way that the Holy Spirit will, will guide you? Never make a big decision in life without saying, Holy Spirit, will you guide me? Never date somebody without saying, Holy Spirit, will you, is this the right person? Is this the, is this the right time? Is this the, do they have the right character? Am I making the right decision? Never, don't even go to a college without asking the Holy, God, is this the right job? God, is this the right, are these the right friends in my life? The big choices, I even say like the small choices. I even say like every decision in your life. Say, God, is this the right step for me? And the Holy Spirit will guide you. The Bible says that he knows the number of hairs on your head. All right? Some of you guys, as you get older, that number is a lot easier to know. But he knows the number of hairs on your head. He's concerned with every single detail of your life. Do you know there's not one single thing that you go through that God is not concerned about? And he wants to give you wisdom. He wants to counsel you. He wants to show you the next step. But you got to ask him. It's, it's real clear in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. Look at your neighbor and say, perfect gentleman. Perfect gentleman. He opens doors for you. Oh, how sweet. I heard a girl, by the way, the other day, guys, I don't know if you heard this, but I heard a girl up on this stage who was a teenager say, if a guy doesn't open your door, he's the wrong guy. It's the truth. It's the truth. Because you want to be like Jesus. You want to be like the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit opens doors. He shows you the right way. But, but in order to live a spirit-filled life, you've got to ask him. You've got to ask him for wisdom. James says that if any of us lack wisdom, we're to go to God and ask him, and he'll give us wisdom. So he will counsel you when you don't know what to do, when you don't have any idea what the next steps to take are, when you're confused about something, when something is just messing with your mind. Just stop right there in that moment and say, Holy Spirit, will you counsel me? Will you give me wisdom? Will you show me what the next step is in my life? The Holy Spirit will come and he will counsel you. He will never, ever, ever lead you into anything that's contrary to Scripture. Ever. He's not going to lead you into anything that goes against what the Bible says. He's going to lead you into God's truth. He's going to lead you into the right step. He's going to lead you into what's best for his will for your life. He's going to counsel you. It says in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, that whether you turn from the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Just like a coach on the sideline calling in the place for your life, the Holy Spirit wants to counsel you. So to live a spirit-filled life is to say, God, I want to invite you into my decisions. God, I want to invite you into the things that I'm uncertain of. And I want you to lead my steps. I want you to counsel me. I want you to guide me. The last thing is this, the Holy Spirit will convict you. Everybody say convict. It says in John chapter 16, verse 8, When the Spirit comes, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Here's, here's what that means. The Holy Spirit is going to show you what God's will is in your life. He's going he's to pull you a little bit when you're stepping outside of that will. It's, it's kind of like these dog collars that I got right here. Anybody got a dog? All right. 
Walking a dog can be a very hard thing to do at times, especially when it's a young dog, because they just want to do their own thing. They want their own will. They want whatever that, you know, like if you've got a dog who's a puppy, especially if it's like a Rottweiler puppy, you know, those things just like go their own way. And you're just like doing this, you know, and the dog's just kind of pulling you. But after a while, the dog starts to learn who's in control. So it's, it's kind of like these, co- these collars and leashes right here. I need two volunteers. One, two. Laurel, come on up. It's kind of like these dog leashes right here. All right. So, Kelly, I want you to take this one, and I want you to go all the way to the back of the room. This way, right? All the way to the back of the room. As far as you can go. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Stop right there. Okay. <laughs> See how she stopped? That was awesome, wasn't it? Okay. Let's make sure she doesn't go anywhere. Okay. Laura, I want you to take this one right here. And I want you to go over there. No, wait a minute. Take this one. No, the other end. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like this. Here's, here's what the Holy Spirit convicting you is like. Here's what it's like. When you become a Christian, when you become a Christ follower, what happens in your life is you become justified. It's a process called justification. Everybody say justification. You become justified. What that means is that you accept that you could never please God on your own, that you could never be perfect on your own. And that the penalty of those things that you do that are apart from God's will, the sin in your life, the penalty for that sin is death. And that somebody or something has to die in order for God's will to be pleased, in order for for you to be able to be right with God. And so when you become a Christian, what you say is, you know what, I accept and I understand that Jesus took my place, that I was supposed to die for my own sin and spend eternity apart from God. But when I become a Christian, I accept that Jesus took that place for me. He stepped in, and I accept him as my Savior. It's just as if I'd never sinned. I'd become justified. Okay, that's the first step. That's the first thing you do to become a Christian. Beyond that, there's this process called sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. And here's what that means. If being justified makes you right with God through Jesus... Being sanctified makes you like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. But, but, but here's what happens. God's will is to make you like Jesus. It's that your life would look like His. It's that, it's that you would live on earth like He lived on earth. Here's what we do, though. If we're not Christ followers, there's one of two places we go when it comes to conviction or doing what's right and what's wrong or knowing what's right and what's wrong. The first place that we like to go is far away. We, we like to see how much freedom we can have. We like to see how far we can test the line. We, if this is the line, how close can I get to it without crossing over? What's the least amount I can do to be a good person? But, but, but there's a curse with that. The Bible says it's the curse of living under the law. It's the curse of condemnation. So when you're not a Christ follower and you're living out there, the Bible's it's, it's like you're chained to the law. It's like you're chained to the will of what's wrong and what's right. And when you're far away from God doing whatever you want, living your own life, living your life for yourself, getting as close to the line and the edge of being what you think is a good person as you possibly can get, and you mess up or you do something wrong, you feel shame. You feel, you feel guilty. the, the, The law, the curse of the law makes you feel like you'll never be good enough. And so here's what you do. You correct yourself. You say, you know what? I'm just gonna stop looking at those things on the internet that I know I shouldn't. I'm just going to stop doing that thing. that I, I'm going to stop lying. And, and then when I do that, I won't feel bad anymore. I'll, I'll make a step. So make a step, one step. 
I'll make a step towards the right direction and I'll correct my behavior. But what happens is, is you, you do it, you, you go a week without doing something wrong. You go a week without lying. You go a week without looking at that thing that you shouldn't look at. You go a week without with, with just doing it right and being a good person. And then you fall right back to where you were. Take a step back. That's called the curse of condemnation. That's, that's when we just kind of live our lives out on our own, apart from God in our own power. Now, the second curse of the law is called the curse of self-righteousness. Everybody say self-righteousness. What this person does is that they're not a believer. They're not a Christ follower, but they, tr- they act like one. They, they do all the right things in their own power. You know, they don't lie. They treat people well. You know, they, they, they could probably even quote Bible. They can probably even quote Scripture to you. And they're prideful of it. They're, they're close to the things of God, but they're not close to God himself. This is why we have groups like the Westboro Baptist Church that think they're right, but everybody else hates them. You know what I mean? That think they got it all right, but really they've got it all wrong. And so this group stays real close to the law and wants everybody else to know it. So these are the two curses that, are, that, that the law brings. When you're trying to just live life in your own strength and, and be a good person and the best person that you can possibly be. But, but, but here's what Jesus does. Jesus, the Bible says, breaks the curse of the law. So this, this tug of, of condemnation and shame and guilt on you and this tug of I'm never going to be good enough so I just got to in my own power do all the right things and be right all the time and be perfect and then maybe God will be pleased with me if I just never mess up and show up to church all the time and read my Bible every day and pray 47 and a half hours a week and if, I, if I'm just you know give to the Salvation Army and you know I just kind of help old ladies across the street and don't lie and vote and all those good things that Americans do if I just do that and I just be a good enough person, then I, God's going to be pleased with me. But, but the reality is that as long as you're living in your own power, neither one of these please God. What Jesus does when we accept him, you see, let me have that. No, you, you just stay right where you are. Let me have it. He breaks the curse of, this, of the law. So you're no longer bound to the law anymore. He breaks the curse of self-righteousness. He breaks the curse of shame. He breaks the curse of condemnation. He breaks the curse of always trying to feel like you got to have it all together. He breaks the curse of being fake. He breaks the curse of being in shame and in guilt. And now you've got freedom to be as close to God or as far away from God as you want to be. And his desire for you, here's what God's desire is for you. That even when you've got freedom in Christ to do whatever you want to do, because you know, I'll just be forgiven. Even when you've got freedom in Christ to just, 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 you know, live your life the way you want to, because you've become a Christian, you're saved and you're going to heaven. Even when the, the rope's cut and the freedom's there, God's will for you is that you would still live close to him. God's will is that you would still desire to please him. God's will for you is that you would still not want to live all the way back there in distance to him, that you're just looking for the line to cross because you know grace will forgive you. But you're saying, Jesus, I want to be so close to you that the moment you pull me in, I respond quickly. I don't want to be so far away. This is what happens. We, we go off in our own strength and our own will and we get so far away from God, even as Christians, that he speaks to us, but we don't recognize it and we don't hear it. Because we're living our lives for ourselves. The Holy Spirit convicts you 
and pulls you close and says, this is, this is right, that's not right. This is the way, walk in it. You know that, that thing you watch, like, like don't, don't watch that, that's not, that's not the best. You know that thing you're saying, that person you're with, you know, you know that, that's not, don't, don't go, that's not God's best. And he pulls you close and he pulls you close. You guys can have a seat, thank you, you can have a seat. Give it up for my amazing volunteers. So here's, here's who we are and where we are tonight. I want everybody to stand with me. Here's who we are and where we are tonight. There, there are two types of us in the room this evening. The first type is the person who is, you, you know that, that you're not living a life that follows Christ. You know that you're out doing it on your own and you're in one of two places. You're either feeling the weight of guilt and shame all the time. You're trying to be good and trying to be right, but you still want to have a little fun too. And you mess up and you do it a lot and you're feeling weight and you're feeling pressure and you're feeling guilt. And it's this curse of law. The second type is, uh, of that person is the person who you just, you're just, you're overwhelmed with trying to be perfect. And, and there's no grace and no mercy in your life. And you just think you got to do this checklist and then God will be happy with you. He, he wants to cut the rope tonight from you. He wants to tell you that you're free from that curse. That you don't have to live under the curse of the law anymore. That you can live under the benefit of grace where Jesus says, I'm going to pull you close. Let me draw you close to me. Let me show you the right way. Let me comfort you. Let me counsel you. Let me convict you. Let me guide you. Let me pull you in closer to me. Stop trying to do it in your own strength and say, Holy Spirit, would you teach me how to live like Jesus? The, the second person group in the room is, you, you have become a Christian, and the rope of guilt and shame has been cut. And, and, and you're, you've got power over, gray, over condemnation, and you've got power over self-righteousness, but that doesn't seem to have power in your life. You, you've got a relationship with God, and you do the church thing, but it's not consuming. It's, it's, not, it's not a consuming fire like Jesus talks about. God's voice was, was closer at one point weeks ago or months ago or years ago than it is right now. And the distance between you and the Holy Spirit by your own choice or by your own life or just by life happening has grown over time and you just don't feel that fire that you used to feel. Tonight, the Holy Spirit wants to draw you closer to Himself. He wants you to live a Spirit-filled life, a life that says, you know what, Jesus? I want to know you. I don't want to just know about you. I don't want to just come to church and hear stories about you. I don't want to just do a checklist and say, yeah, church, check, Bible, check, retreat, check, small group, check, I'm good. I want to live a life that's consumed by God. I want to live a life where Jesus is not second to anything else. I want to live a life that every step I take, I've asked for his guidance. I want to live a life that every hurt that happens or every disappointment that happens, I'm drawn closer to him and asking him to comfort me. I want to live a life that says, Jesus, I don't want to have anything in my life that's displeasing to you. Not only do I want to fulfill your will, but I want to fulfill your dreams and your desires for my life. So Holy Spirit, would you come close? I'm tired of the distance between us. I want to draw near to you. So either way you're at, you need God to cut the rope 
of shame and guilt and condemnation. Or you need God to close the gap of a life maybe unaware or a life that rejected him for a season. Tonight, I want you to press into worship. The Bible says that if we would draw near to him, he would draw near to us. So we're gonna take a moment and we're gonna seek him. And, and here's what I want you to do. As you're seeking him tonight, I want you to, I want you to, to know that he's in this room. He's in this room. This is not just a, a guy talking and some songs happening. The God that created the universe, the presence of God, the Spirit of God that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is in this room tonight. And He wants to comfort you if you need comforting. He wants to counsel you if you need counseling. He wants to, to convict you if you need convicting. Draw near to Him tonight. Push your, don't, don't worry about your neighbor. Don't let anybody else distract you. Press into God as we seek Him tonight in worship. Let's go after Him. In God's Word, which He gives to us for His glory and for our benefit, it says, Seek me with all of your heart, and you will find me. Let us say, seek me with half of your heart, or seek me, seek me just a little bit. So seek me with all of your heart. This fire burning deep inside 